we're back. Yes, we where's, are. Where's my coffee? I'm looking at like 5,000 things on this table. Like, where's my coffee? <laughs> mm. There there she is. We might need to clean the table. I know. I should probably throw those broken headphones away. Why are they even here? I don't know why they're still here. They're... <laughs> because they were nice headphones until they broke for the second time, and I don't want to throw them out, but okay, that's I have a, to. That's a personality trait that I have that I really don't like about myself, is I'll like have something that's broken, and I can't bear like, myself never to gonna, part with it. Yeah, I'm never going to fix it. They're completely broken. It's not it, fixable. You look at it going, well, it was, was pretty nice when it was not yeah. broken. I'm going to throw them away after this. This is fascinating for everybody else. <laughs> My hoarding tendencies on display. Yeah. We also don't have the trash can in here anymore, so it's just yeah, like it's okay. 10 steps to throw something away. Yeah, I'll throw it away when we go upstairs. Um, got, got rid of the creepy vine. Yeah, there was a vine growing into the podcast room, which is in the basement. Mm -hmm. So that is probably not good. Creepy vine is gone. No, yeah, it's not good. It's I, probably I causing structural damage. So here's <laughs> what I think happened is there were a bunch of vines outside that grow up and they go like into the siding, which is not great. And they go like yep. up above the window. And then I think one of them figured out how to go forward through the insulation and down. Yeah. I don't even know how it got... Whatever. It, Intelligent it, it, plant life. Yeah. It got we, past the, the wall itself and into the basement. I really want to just tear all of those out. I, oh, I know no. you got the specific ones that were growing into the basement. Tearing them out doesn't help because they just grow back. Like we need well, to like, yeah, but they're kill like, it with fire. Yes, but they've like formed a net over our other plants. Yeah. And the more there are, the more chance there is that they're going to cause damage so we have to rip out what there is and then keep up on it i was telling drew the other day that we are losing the battle against nature yes we're just bad at being homeowners we have a bajillion gnats we have uh the vines growing out of the house there was that dead rat <clears throat> there's we, wasps in the front there's trees growing up in the fence we have a high level of apathy yeah <laughs> and depression doesn't help and a pandemic <laughs> There's just so help, many things. So we're not good at keeping up with this. We really aren't. And we don't have the money to hire people to be good at keeping up with it. So yeah, here true. we are. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> All right. My morning has been a struggle. Okay. But like, this is a very, very light struggle. Like I, oh I got, I got lots of things done, but the things I got done are not easy to quantify because they're very simple tasks that should not be as difficult as they are. Mm -hmm. They were all like very mental tasks that would take a normal person five seconds, but take me forever because okay. I keep getting distracted and doing other things and then being like, oh shit, I was going to do that thing. So I ordered a baby shower gift. I RSVP'd to that baby shower. I communicated with Amazon about a puzzle that I ordered for my mom that is missing pieces, even though it was properly sealed. All these things that I just like don't don't mm. do. <laughs> My brain is like it's the weekend round out checklist of stuff that wouldn't get done another time. Maybe yeah, all these things I mean to do, and I was like, I have to do them today because I will forget about them five billion times, and I did, but I made myself do them. Mm. It's very stupid. I don't, I don't know that it's stupid. It's just like stuff that has to get done. It's like the yeah. laundry list. Yeah. I also have to do laundry today. 
put laundry on the actual laundry list. While I finish doing last week's laundry. <laughs> laundry never ends for me. Nah. Because I hate putting it away. Actually, the other day I found a pair of underwear and I was like, those aren't my underwear. But they were where like my spot is on the bed. And I'm like, are those my underwear? Oh, it was probably last night because I started folding some laundry. But then we had to go yeah. play Monster of the Week. I and got so... excited for a minute that I found new underwear. Mm, I mean, you can wear them if you want. <laughs> I'll put, I'll, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, collect, I'll start slowly collecting your underwear and wearing them when you don't notice. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean for you to hide it from me, but okay. <laughs> That's what we're doing. They, Let's... I think they were Wonder Woman underwear. I haven't worn those in ages. They had stars on them. I didn't look that closely. I just realized they weren't my underwear. I think you have stolen my underwear and you just <laughs> forgot that you stole them. Cover story for having stolen your underwear. Yes. <laughs> A weird way to out yourself. <laughs> yeah. So what, so what else do we have going on aside from my undiagnosed ADHD that prevents me from buying baby shower gifts? I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, you made dog treats the other day, which was kind of interesting. That's I mean, something you've never done before. Yeah, I made some simple dog treats yesterday with um, pumpkin and peanut butter because mm -hmm. we've been, so this is something that. We can talk about, too, which is uh, we got a trainer for Leroy because mm -hmm. he has a couple issues that we want to work through. And I think we've talked about that before a little bit about how we were going to have someone come. So they came to the house. But working on these things involved, like, doing a lot of training and having lots of little treats to give him. And since he's not the only dog in the house, we can't just constantly be, like, working on things with him and treating him and not doing the same thing with Bo. Mm -hmm. So even though he's a much better behaved dog and knows a lot of this stuff already, he also has to go through everything so he doesn't feel left out. Right. And so it's, like, twice the number of treats, and then you have to do this, like, several times a day and several repetitions each time. So I had bought a bag of treats, and I'm seeing them, like, the level go down and down, and I'm like... I need a cheap thing to feed them when we do this. Well, yeah, like two expensive bags of dog treats vanish in like a few days. <laughs> yeah. Because you and, have to do this stuff over and over. Like yeah, and I like those treats, but I don't want to see them disappear so quickly. So I'm yeah. going to supplement by making other treats Plus, for them. We like weirdly had like two whole cans of, I think everyone has like a can of pumpkin that's just like at the back of their cupboard forever with no use. We had two. Well, I had made, here's the thing. I had made pumpkin something or other, and I think I wanted to make it, and it was in the heat of, like, the self, the stay-at-home order, and I wanted to make whatever I needed, and I didn't think I had any, and so one of our friends was like, hey, I'm going out. Do you need anything? And I was like, some pumpkin. Mm -hmm. And so they got me a couple cans of pumpkin, and then I had found one. So then the couple that they got me are still here for future use. So might as well use them for dogs. I feel like everyone has stuff like that in their cupboard that's just like waiting for a rainy day that never arrives. Yeah. And then maybe you like notice that the expiration is like approaching and you're like, oh, I could donate this. Yeah. Someone else could eat this pumpkin that I, I never I'll... found any purpose for. Or I guess I'll do something with it. So <clears throat> so dogs got pumpkin peanut butter treats and I'll probably make more because they were really easy to make and uh, we're going to need them. So. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that. But the the trainer was nice 
and uh, they're from Dog Smarts Unleashed. In case anyone is looking for a dog trainer, Smarts with a Z. Smarts with a so Z. So you know that they're rad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Radical. Yeah, you know they're pretty rad. <laughs> so they they basically they came to our house. It was a private session, and she walked us through what to do with Leroy and some things we could teach him and the best way to approach things and and some background information on why he acts the way he acts, which I, I was helpful for me. I don't know if it was helpful for you. Yeah. It helped me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. Like basically, it's he resource guards in a specific way, and it's a genetic trait. It's just like... That's the part that actually made me feel bad about it, is like... Oh, hey, just so you know, you will never fully get rid of this behavior. <clears throat> but there's ways to manage it. It made me feel better because I it's really hard to sometimes feel like, oh, this this is like a targeted behavior and maybe it's my fault or like maybe he just doesn't like someone. But to know that like. Yeah, that part does feel better to know. To know that it's just like kind of how he is. And there's, you know, things that we're doing that, that encourage it without us meaning to. So. Mm-hmm. To know the proper ways to address it and minimize it to make it not really be an issue. Yeah. But also be aware of like the things that could, you know, trigger it a little bit. And then it's just some dogs just have that. Yeah. And and for some dogs, because of their living situation, it's never going to be a big issue because like things that could make it worse aren't a part of their lives. But he is a newish dog to us. Yeah. He came into a house with another dog already and patterns firmly in place. Mm-hmm. And he's a lunatic. So right. <laughs> he just like latched onto me and <laughs> I'm his thing. And so he, although we learned the other night that he's like that with you a little bit with our friends. Yeah. No. Yeah. Someone went like- to like say bye to you or something. And he like yeah, inserted himself went- in between. And I was like, oh, I went to give Ben a hug and like. The dog was like up in a flash, like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> so, and I don't know, doesn't it make you feel a little bit good that he, <laughs> his bad behavior is in defense of you, too? I guess a little bit. It's just <laughs> that it's more generalized is kind of nice. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's just a little evidence that it really is just like a, it's a genetic thing and we are his mm. people and it's sort of nice in a bad behavior kind of way. Here's the thing we could talk about. We, in uh, December of 2018, mm-hmm. ripped up all the carpet in the living room. Uh-huh. And then a full year and a half later, finally got around to ripping it up out of the, din- the dining room. Yeah. Um, because Leroy pooped on it about 100 times, and there was just poop in the carpet. And it was just a poopy carpet. And it was already gross. Yeah. So that was an exhausting chore. We hit our breaking point, and one day I'm like, "We're doing, we're just ripping it up." Yeah, and you're like, "Yes, we're ripping it up tonight." So we did that. Yeah, I think it was that he pooped in the morning, like he always seemed to be doing, and then he and did then it he again in the more. afternoon. And yeah, I'm he like, has, nope. and he has digestive issues for sure, which which plays into this. Yeah, right. And probably some anxiety. So we ripped up finally the rest of this disgusting, horrible, evil carpet installed by monsters. The reason we hadn't done it was because the floor underneath is also awful (laughs) and we don't like it and we couldn't figure out what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And so we kept putting it off until having the carpet was a much bigger evil than the floor underneath. And so the carpet is gone. The floor underneath is there. 
I don't know what we're going to do about it. it. At least it doesn't have poop in it. So yeah. that's a plus. It smells better. Yeah. I don't feel like a garbage person. Oh, God. It was so bad. That carpet was stained As with like, of a garbage like poop and food and wine and like everything. Oh, yeah. We spilled a bottle of wine on it. An entire bottle point. of wine. We broke a <laughs> bottle of wine. That's, it, that carpet endured hell. It's seen some shit. And it's probably been in there since like the 70s. So who knows? A part of me. Okay. So you know like the part of the carpet that was close to the, the kitchen? Uh-huh. That was like especially dirty under there? Yeah. I don't think we did that. So, like, I yeah. was, like, thinking to myself, like, what happened, like, right here? My idea on that was because it is right out of the kitchen, maybe Just people spilled stuff. a lot of stuff or shoes mm-hmm. coming in from the backyard into the house. And yeah. I, it's just, like, any threshold is going to gather more gunk yeah. than But, like, I'm insane, so places. I was like, who died here? Well, it did not look like someone died. I, I would know. know. I would not know. <laughs> That's the thing is we wouldn't know what it looked like if someone died right there. Oh, I said I would know. <laughs> yeah, I know. you. But I mean, we would not know. That could be it. I don't think that was it. Someone might have died there. It's, no, probably nobody a ghost. died there. There's probably a ghost. A ghost there. died there? No, a good, there's probably a ghost now. <laughs> a ghost died there, oh, and yeah. that's its, its, what's the stuff? Ectoplasm? That's its ectoplasm. <laughs> Just going off You know the what? That's the ultimate scary story. No one ever talks about when ghosts die. What worst thing? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a story I've ever heard. Legend has There's it. There's probably a reason. <laughs> Legend has it a ghost died here. And now it's haunted by the ghost's ghost. All right. <laughs> Think about how scary that is. If I mean, if a ghost is scary, how scary is a ghost's ghost? It's pretty scary. Right. <laughs> put that down in my ideas folder. Just okay. Ghost's ghost story. Okay. Yeah. I like how you pretended to write that. Yeah. Just like just for me, me just for yeah. that little performative piece. <laughs> just for me. No yeah. one can see that. Yeah. I just wanted you to see me <laughs> pretending to write down ghost's ghost story. Uh, um, we're, we're doing something. Um, yep. I, I ordered candy from Lofty Pursuits <coughs> slash yeah. public displays of confection. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I talked about them on here before much or not, but it's one of my favorite YouTube videos to watch. It's a really like, long time ago, when we first found them, I think that we did we talk about did. them. We probably did. They make they make candy, and a lot of times they do it like the old school way. They make it by hand, and they use like Victorian candy making equipment and water cooling tables and rolling things out and using an anvil to like tap little pieces off of a tube and the canvil, as they call it, because it's the candy anvil. Yeah. Um, and how many people use anvils anymore? An anvil like, is nobody. An, it's its only purpose, as far as I know, mm, is to land cartoons. on Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. So, oh, it, they were used for blacksmithing, but yeah, but really, but, that's but what, now it's used for candy. <laughs> the primary use is candy and killing coyotes. Yes. So if you ever see a coyote drop an anvil on its head, that's their weak point. Mm-hmm. And then you can take the anvil and use it to make candy. Mm-hmm. Give it a good scrub first, but yeah. Yeah, probably. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they I love their videos and they're usually um the the owner, Greg, I feel like is a his personality that comes through in the videos and now his podcast, which mm-hmm. they also have, is um similar to the goose chase way. He like is a person who the has goose lost chase way. Yeah. <laughs> Follow the, the eightfold path of the goose. <laughs> um <laughs> We actually could probably write that by now. <clears throat> oh, we could. Um, 
But he is is a man of many different hobbies and talents and former professions. And his business has been like 10 different things. Yeah. Started out as like a kite shop. He was like a professional juggler and yo-yoer. It was a kite shop. Yeah. That totally explains why its name was Lofty Pursuits. Yes, he made juggling. Oh. He made juggling materials. Um, And then he. Mystery solved for me. Yeah, so he made juggling materials, and then that company was called something else, and Lofty Pursuits was under um, that mm-hmm. company. And it was, Lofty Pursuits was originally, like, a toy store for, like, skilled toys, so, like, kites and yo-yos and juggling implements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually became, like, brought into a toy store, and then he also added a soda fountain into it, Mm -hmm. and then started making candy. Right. And so they do a lot of different things. And now, because of COVID-19, they've become a delivery business. So they deliver – they make more food than they used to Mm -hmm. um, because they used to make breakfast and lunch. Now they make dinner as well, and they deliver their food, but they hated using the delivery services like Grubhub and stuff because they're a racket. So they they started doing it themselves. So their servers became delivery drivers, so they didn't have to let anyone go. Mm -hmm. And then um, because they knew people didn't want to have to leave the house for things like toiletries and stuff, they stocked up on that stuff and have been selling toiletries and stuff out of their business too to make things easier for people and to make their business something that could be sustainable with all these changes okay so like anywhere else in the country i feel like a business that this like like crazily shoots from like thing to thing would not be able to stick around yeah but somehow in the magical land of tallahassee florida (laughs) you can have a business that's nine different things i i think i think he's just really good at at knowing how to market and and knowing what people need i also in think a he's really i think he's beloved around town i think the oh dude's, yeah the dude's like well known yeah so also i'm i'm, imp- I'm impressed by them but he is a per- the point of that was that he is a person who like in his videos will make like a valentine's candy and we'll discuss the origins of the love heart shape or mm-hmm. like stuff like that he gives little facts he's very into history yeah he knows a lot of random things just like very eclectic is the word i think yeah and obviously that's something that appeals to me because we do this podcast where we we right. like to learn things for the sake of knowing them because we're curious people and mm-hmm. i have a billion different hobbies and right. would like to own a business someday so mm-hmm. All these things make a lot of sense he to spent, me. He spent like hours looking at real estate the other day. Oh, last night. Yeah. I'm like, this is never going to happen, but I'm looking at real estate. But the thing is, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same kind of crazy because I want to have a brew pub, mm-hmm. but I know that that is a huge investment of money and like a need a loan and all this shit. And yeah. like, you know, it's like a very, very difficult thing to do. But like I spent hours looking at like real estate listings going, this would be a really nice brew pub. Yeah. This abandoned car towing yard would make a really nice place to have a brew pub. <laughs> and the thing is, I actually would. I stand, Let's make I stand a brew it. pub yarn store. It's going to be great. <clears throat> yeah. um, actually would be a really great combination, but yeah, let's not get into it. People like to knit and drink. Yes. They and do it at home all the time. <laughs> yes. And your significant other can go have a, a drink while, while you go and... Uh, Pick out yarn stuff for five hours. Listen. True story. Let's sell this house. Let's just live in a brew pub yarn store. Nothing. I see nothing wrong with this. It would actually be pretty sweet. 
If there's living space above it, yeah. Yeah, well, you need to have that. Let's yeah. get an abandoned firehouse. There is there is that firehouse in Austintown, which I think is gorgeous. The one down Mahoney? Yeah. Really? I don't know if it's for sale. I'm just saying it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It's cool looking. Don't I would it's... love to have a business oh, there. Why can't we just have our dreams? Let's just have, why don't we have money? <laughs> I know. If you have money, please send it to please us. Please send us money. <sighs> um, yeah, anyway. so that's that's about all I had. Uh, that's all I wanted to talk about. But oh, yeah, I didn't even get around to the fact that I ordered their candy from um, Lofty Pursuits. Right, at pd.net. PD.net. Um, they have image candies. They have um, drop candies, mm-hmm. which get the name from they're like they use a mold. And then once it cools, you just. Yeah. Once it cools, you just drop them in the shapes, yeah. you know, separate. Yeah. Um, kind of looks like bubble wrap in the sense that it's got the big bubble candy yeah. and the sheet in between. And when you drop it, the thin part all shatters. So you just yeah. have the bubbles. Um. They make a lot of interesting flavors. He's constantly asking for, like, suggestions for, like, basically challenges for them, like things they can make that they might not have thought of. Yeah. Right now, um, because people can't really travel the way they used to, they're doing a, like, taste of the world Mm -hmm. um, thing. So they can do, like, things... They're asking for suggestions of like, okay, where are you from? And what are like the iconic tastes from that place? Yeah. And so they're going to make flavors from different countries and it's going to be image candy is going to make the flag of that country with like that flavor. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of interesting ideas he has for that. But that was something someone listened to the podcast and wrote in and suggested that idea, which is a really cool idea right now Mm -hmm. because obviously people aren't going to be able to go try those actual things at the moment and a lot of people have travel lust anyways wanderlust anyways so yeah. i think it's pretty cool That's i pretty sent cool. off a couple suggestions to him mm-hmm. i suggested a cookie table candy yeah. so each candy would have a different be a different cookie flavor right a good regionalism is the cookie table. Yeah. I think people outside of here might not know that, but it's like instead of a big cake kind of thing at a wedding, you've got all kinds of cookies. Yeah. Which is and a usually, brilliant idea that everyone should be doing. Well, I think the purpose of it, because cake at the time it probably <sighs> started, was expensive to provide a mm-hmm. big, beautiful cake for all of your guests. Yeah, but everyone can and make some cookies. So your family and friends would usually make the cookies and bring them. Mm-hmm. And you'd set them up on a table, and that means, like, you'd probably make some yourself, but it wouldn't be you making this entire cake or buying an expensive cake and using all of your flour, that person's flour and sugar and yeah. things that were, like, limited. So people would make cookies. You don't have to make as many. Everyone brings some. You got cookies to share. And it it's yeah. a thing in Pittsburgh, and it's a thing in Youngstown. It's uh, an amalgamation of several different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, Hot take, I would rather have four different kinds of cool cookie than one piece of plain old vanilla cake. Yeah. Now it's it's more an addition to the cake than instead of a cake. And yeah. I've been seeing a lot of like um, donut tables, candy tables. Yeah, the donut too. table. We saw that not too long ago. That was a cool idea. Our friends Matt and Grace did donuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they think they also, did they also have a cookie table? I can't remember. Uh, and they also had a small cake, but I think they maybe didn't do cookies. I can't recall. It was a long time ago now, but yeah. um, the donuts were good. I remember that much. Mm. 
But you, you see a lot of takes on it these days, but and not everyone knows about the cookie table, and it's such a fun tradition, and the origin of it is great, of like, okay, well, let's all come together and make something we can share so you don't have to break the bank. Yeah. It's and, just a nicer, more community-focused sort of thing to begin yeah. with. Everyone should be doing this. And I agree, like, eating several different kinds of cookies is great. And the cool thing is, like, because some of this was sort of, like, old world, like old country stuff, you'd get people's specialties, like mm -hmm. great grandma's famous pizzelles and yeah. like things that you might not be able to make yourself. Have you had a horseshoe cookie in a while? Mm-mm. Remember, remember the horseshoe cookie? Maybe, maybe, maybe so. people don't know Is this. it I like know. a, um, oh God, it's like a of, shortbread cookie kind of? It kind of resembles a, like a kolache filling. Okay. And it's got like a uh, sort of almost sticky pastry outside and it's folded into like a U shape. Oh, OK. I, I think I know what you're talking my about. My grandma and my nana used to make them. And mm -hmm. that was like an old family cookie. And honest to God, I haven't had one in so long. I should ask my mom if she's got the recipe for these things. I would make those. The horseshoe cookie is I bet it's really regional. My my grandma yeah. and, you know, uh, her mom, my nana, they were from Galitzin, Pennsylvania. Mm hmm. And uh, they, they—that's the only place I think I've ever had horseshoe cookies. It's from my grandma. Mm -hmm. I should I really bet, look into this. I bet in Pittsburgh you see those at cookie tables a lot. Probably. Um, I my family's thing was my great grandma used to make. She made. She was a difficult woman, but she would knit anything for you and bake anything for you. Yeah. She was, there was a part of her that was very kind and sweet and thoughtful. Mm -hmm. There were other parts of her that were awful. But, <laughs> but the good but, parts manifested themselves in knitting and cookies. Yes. And so she had, um, one of the things she did very well, she did great kolache, which we've never had any kolache other than hers that, that replicated it. Mm -hmm. And she made clothespin cookies. Mm -hmm. And when she passed away, we we the, her original clothespins were passed down. So we still make clothespin cookies with her original clothespins, mm -hmm. and it's such like a cool family tradition to be able to carry that on. Yeah, and they're so good. But like that's the kind of thing you get at cookie tables. It's like your great grandma's clothespins. Yeah, or the clothespins that someone's great grandma used to make, and now you use the original implements. Like that's and so cool. Not only is it really cool, it's really appropriate for a wedding. Which, like, yeah. is itself, like, lives coming together and family coming around and all this stuff. Like, it feels super appropriate for a wedding to have a representation of all these, like, old family Yeah, the metaphor of, like, both families and both yeah. sides, like, groups of friends coming together and bringing just a little bit of themselves right. in cookie form. Right. In support of you. Yeah. Is kind of sweet. Like my family's famous sauerkraut cookies. Sauerkraut cookies? No, that's not a thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't put it past this area to put <laughs> sauerkraut in a cookie. <laughs> mm, a famous halushki cookie. I'm going to do it now. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, these I I have a fondness for the cookie table. There yeah. are people who could take it or leave it. It's a good and idea, I get damn that. it. I, I get that, though. If I, it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But I have a fondness for it. Yeah. I, I think it's sweet. And uh, I've seen insane cookie tables yeah. where someone got I've a little. I've seen cookie tables you cannot imagine. Honestly. I, I, um, 
the bride and groom were they met in culinary school and the bride loved to bake and she wasn't from an area that did cookie tables and so she's like no i'm diving into this head first so she made so many cookies herself because mm-hmm. she just wanted to and she loved to do that anyway yeah and then all the family and friends that make cookies and bring them they usually suggest i forget the exact amount but i want to say it's like a dozen or two cookies per person uh, maybe I, I mean I know that the idea is not only are there a ton of cookies but there's a ton of bags you can take cookies you can home, take them so home. excess a is lot of people do that as their like their it's favor. like a party favor yeah yeah so she made so many that the caterers <clears throat> were angry because we had trays left over <laughs> like after we put all the cookies out it was like three full long like banquet tables of cookies yeah after we put all of them out, there were still several full trays of cookies left in the back. What's to be angry about there? Uh, there, there wasn't <laughs> space for it. That's fine. Um, so I don't, I don't know that they're angry, angry. They were just like, this is too many cookies. Sure. And by the end of it, I mean, when a a cookie tray would be done, there was endless amounts of cookies in the back to replenish. But by the end of the night, I was like, because I was close to the family, it wasn't in the wedding, but I was close to them. I was like accosting people as they're leaving, being like, take this entire tray of cookies. Mm-hmm. Like the, we are past the bags. Take a whole <laughs> tray full of cookies because there's like three more. <laughs> right. And everyone's like, I ate like three dozen cookies. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was comical in the amount that were made, but they were also really good. And it was really sweet. Yeah. We Everyone was just excited. Cookie tables. Well, um, why don't we play a game? I think it's time to play a game. I think we're actually well past time to play a game. Oh, was was I supposed to arrange a game? Yeah, but you could just whip one up right now, probably without even thinking about it, I imagine. Give me like five seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yep, I got it. All All right. right. So we're going to play a little game called Trues and Fnews. Trues and Fnews. You mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for Trues and Fnews. Time to play Trues and Fnews. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing. Famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for Trues and Fnews. A Merv Griffin production. All right. That sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, with a great name like that, it's got to be good. Yeah, so let's play. Okay. How do we play? (laughs) I was going to see if you let me get away with not doing it. (laughs) Nope. Never. All right. Well, Trues and Fnews is a game, a fun little game, an internet game sweeping the nation, in which I will give you three news headlines. Two will be false, the Fnews. One is true, the Trues, and you gotta tell me which is which. Solid. Aces. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you prepared? Are I, you buckled in? I am strapped, strapped in. in. Are yes. you holding on to your butt? Yes, I am holding on to my butt. He's literally I'm holding on to his butt. actually holding my butt. All right, let's go. All right, what do we got? Number one. Animal Corner. Greenville, Illinois beekeeper trains his bees to respond to commands like attack, wall, and dance. That can't be real. Oh, my God. uh, That's crazy if true. That's insane if true. Number two. Extreme athlete Eric Jefferson takes advantage of reduced traffic in San Francisco by base jumping all over the city. Oh, 
Okay. And number three. You swine. German nudist chases wild boar that stole laptop. <laughs> German nudist chases boar that stole laptop. Wow. Okay. Let's you hear those again. Yeah. Let's hear them Number again. one. Animal corner. Greenville, Illinois beekeeper trains his bees to respond to commands like attack, wall, and dance. Oh, my God. Number two. Extreme athlete Eric Jefferson takes advantage of reduced traffic in San Francisco by base jumping all over the city. That one feels true. I, I keep going. And number three. You swine. German nudist chases wild boar that stole laptop. Okay, first of all, the fact that two of these are false is incredible to me. They're all really well written. <clears throat> Thank you. The, the just, like, just like tweaked my neck when I did that. <laughs> you like went to cock your head like, aw, thanks. And like and it snapped. hurt yourself in the process. <laughs> I'm old. We got to stop being so old. I need to do stretches. We got to stop being this old. I just need to move more. All right, continue <laughs> with your guessing logic. Aw, shucks. Aw. <laughs> Downed uh, by a head... Tilt. Seriously, that's got to be one of the most mundane ways to hurt yourself. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't think the first one is possible. I don't think it's possible. I will be shocked if it is. All right. Base jumper seems very plausible to me. Mm hmm. But the boar that stole a laptop feels like the least. The least likely for you to have written it. The process behind picking an answer for these is like very nebulous. <clears throat> 30 to 50 wild pigs. <sighs> 30 to 50 wild hogs stole my laptop. <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder what happened with those wild hogs. I know they're still actually terrorizing communities. Yeah. That's a real thing. <laughs> the, the feral hogs. Yeah. 30 to feral 50 hogs. feral hogs. Those are out there actually ruining people's lives. Um, yep. I think, oh, this is this is one of the hardest ones yet. <laughs> it really is. I'm going to guess it's the base jumper. It just feels like the true, it just feels like the most likely one. Base jumper is the true one? It is. No, I'm oh. asking. That's your guess? Yeah, that's my guess. It's not. No! <laughs> You psyched me out. Sorry. I was asking, but I don't I don't <sighs> emphasize my questions well. I'm sorry. Um no, the true one is you swine. German <laughs> nudist chases well for the stole laptop. Okay. I, I will that talk about that. That did feel like the one that you least likely would have thought to write. Uh I I will talk about that in a minute, but I did want to discuss an honorable mention because okay. I originally had this written with a different true news quiz, but oh. then I was scrolling Facebook and one of my friends who has a pet pig, yeah. um, <laughs> shared this, she shared it. And I was like, that's too fucking good not to use it. <laughs> so I switched it out, but I, I've had this one I've been waiting to use and I just feel like I'm, I, I want to just tell you it now. Okay. So the honorable mention was Delaware pizza store owner foils robbery by throwing pie at suspect. Say. <laughs> I could totally see that, though. Yeah. Just use what he had 
at his disposal. Throw in a hot pizza pie. Which would suck. Hey, if take you got a face full of pepperoni. And cheese, hot melty cheese. Yeah, that's. It'd be bad. That's like second degree burns there, yeah. easy. I mean, if yeah. it's right out of the oven. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just wanted to share that with you. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> so, the best part about the. The nudist and the swine is that there is a picture. There is. There's a picture. <laughs> of a naked man chasing a pig? Yes. Wow. Okay, so so what had happened was um they were wherever they were, and there is a, a lady who she was just there taking pictures and stuff, and this whole thing unfolds. <laughs> And so Wait, this, she's just photographing nudists? No, no, it wasn't. I think it was like, you can go nude there, but not everyone is nude there. Or maybe okay. he was like in the nudist part and he followed the pig into another area. <laughs> the non-nude. So a naked man and a boar might have run into the non-nudist part. Oh, yeah. There's definitely clothed families around. <laughs> Shut up. No way. Um, but there's also like. That's a way to ruin There's a day also at the like beach. bikini clad men around too. So it's a combo. It's Germany. It's different. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's not here. It's We're, Germany. They're it's, not as repressed. It's just different. If you see a naked man chasing after a wild boar, you don't have to worry about explaining to your kids. You're just like, well, obviously that boar took something from him. <laughs> uh, so. <clears throat> I want to get so the wild boars apparently are a common sight in the forests around Berlin, and they they're seen a lot in the city's parks. They're pretty like familiar mm. with people. Um, uh, Swineland. So it it took the guy's laptop bag, and he obviously didn't want to lose it. So he starts chasing after this boar, and her her two babies who are in tow behind her. Through this park, and this person was there and snapped the photos. Wow. And afterwards, so the there was like a cardboard box, um, and the boar was slowed down by it, and so he was able to stop the boar and get his bag back. And as soon as he was finished, everyone burst out into applause for him <laughs> for retrieving his belongings. And the lady had taken these pictures and approached the man and was like, hey, I took these pictures. It was really funny, and we're glad that you got your bag back. Like, oh is it God. okay for me to share this story? And he was like, yeah, fine, I don't care. <laughs> so she here's shared the story, and, and now, here's there's, my genitals. now there's articles. You cannot see, I will say, you cannot see any genitals. It's He's mid-run, and so he's, like, covered by his body. Sans genits. Let me show you the pictures, because they're pretty great. <laughs> okay. Um, it's just, And the guys, he's got a little, little punchy, so you can't. <laughs> The way that he's running, you can't tell. Okay. But it's fantastic. I do kind of just have to see a picture of this. It's fantastic. <laughs> There's several pictures, but they're all kind of the same thing. But yeah, it's great. Okay. So that's like a boar, basically about the, uh, like three quarters of the size of the guy itself. Probably about 50 pound, 50 or 60 pound boar. I mean, it looks, to look at it though, it's like overall size. It's it's big. It's a big it's a boar. Big, it's a big boar. The <laughs> Tiny little boars after it. I think this man's lack of butt is my favorite part of this picture. Yeah. There is just no butt on There's that not man. not much butt. There is almost no butt on him. Yeah. I like the smiles of the people nearby. <laughs> They're just well, like, this is happening. There's a boar running by us. Wouldn't you be delighted? <laughs> oh, yeah. I would I'd be. Like, this is my lucky day. I would be delighted. The lady who took those pictures, like, struck gold. She's like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, 
How and many the people, fact that he was so good natured and like, yeah, sure, I don't care. How many it's photographers funny. spend their time with a camera in hand hoping for something I, interesting to happen? Here's the thing. I don't even think that she's a professional photographer per se. Okay. I think that she just was there and she she might do it. I don't know a lot. She's an actor and a coach. She's okay. not like, that's not her job. But, but she might she have whipped out her camera pictures. phone for this. Yeah, or maybe she she takes pictures on the side or just, like, was there and decided to take some pictures of friends or whatever, and this happened. Yeah. It sued. Um, so it says, she showed the man the pictures later on, and he laughed loudly and authorized me to publish them. <laughs> what an unbelievable uh, She also said the man gave his all. <laughs> like, he looks like he's really booking it. Yeah. That basically the laptop was important enough to him that he's like, don't care that I'm naked in this park. I gotta get it back. And so just took off and he was booking. You just see him running around yelling, sorry, here's, sorry. Here's a good straight on butt shot if you want to see that. <laughs> sure, let's see that booty. She again. got angles. She got all his angles. It's not much of a booty. There's, there's not, you know, as someone without a booty as well. <laughs> he kind of looks like Jeremy Clarkson or something. Yeah, he kind of does. <laughs> yeah. It's a good booty on that boar, though. I will say that. Oh, my God. You know, good booty shot of the boar and the baby boars. <laughs> that is so silly to me. It's so funny. I saw this, and I was like, um, I have to use that. Scrap everything. Yeah, this so, is going in. Sometimes the perfect story just lands in your lap. Just naturally. Just yeah. scroll on Facebook and see this. I was, like, so happy. I'm like, I am done with I tried to write the news quiz last night, and I had nothing. Right. I just couldn't do it. Um, so when I came up with it today, I'm like, I'm done. This is great. Let me take a break. And I'm scrolling Facebook. And that's like the first thing I see. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, the person who posted it used to live in Guam. And Guam pigs are like a thing. And so she has a, a baby. Well, it was a baby at the time she got it. But she rescued like a baby pig from Guam. Mm. And his name is Odorous. And he lives Good with name. her now. In the states, um, and he's he's real sweet. he's real cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. he seems like he's kind of a grump, and I think that's great. It is pretty. I great. love pigs. Grumpy pigs are grumpy pigs. Yeah, that's pretty adorable. Um, so yeah, well, that was the news quiz. You got me. That was a good one. I don't stump you. I thought you were gonna guess that one though. I honestly, the thing, the one I wanted to be true more than anything was that B one. I mean, I just want a super villain to be out there honing his skills, making an army of <clears throat> bees. But the way I thought be. it in my head was like this is just like his quarantine hobby, and that the bees don't really attack, but they like, yeah, they'll like go up to people. They don't actually sting because they would die, right. but it's just like something fun for him to do. Something fun to do. Yeah, just train your bees. Training an army of bees. If you're already a beekeeper, what do you think would be a fun extra beekeeper hobby? Because that's what I think of. (laughs) Train your bees. Uh, Well well done. You got me. Give them little bee treats. Little bee treats. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, let's take a break here. All right. Um, And uh, when we come back, we'll have the main segment. You don't know what it is, do you? I have no idea. Okay. I was on the phone talking about it earlier, but uh, I was trying to be quiet so you wouldn't hear it because I wanted it to be a surprise. I was not paying attention to you. I was buying baby shower gifts. Oh, right. (laughs) Okay. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a minute with the main segment. Yay. (laughs) 
and we're back. And we're back. Uh, <laughs> haven't done that in a minute. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> the rest of the podcast is just fifth sounds. Leroy's sitting upright, staring at me like a little noble boy. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> the sound? To, I'm tempted to join in, but I can't do it. And it doesn't sound okay. good when I do it. Um, all right. We have a topic. We have an episode here. Um, is that what we do here? That is apparently what we do. Uh, let me, um, introduce this sort of vaguely. I'll like get to it, but I want to start with this idea that like, uh, for a long time, you know, basically our whole lives, there's been this ongoing concern about, you know, technology replacing people doing work, right? Yeah, this is, this has been... A thing since, like, industrialism. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, for, you know, a really long time before we had, like, you know, good machinery or whatever, or, you know, like, uh, the assembly line and uh, some of the technologies that came along with it. Like, everything had to be done by people, you know, all of it. And then, yeah. you know, basically, throughout our lives, we watched <laughs> a ton of labor, like, go away and be replaced by machines, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, for a long time regarding this, I have had kind of a sort of cocky attitude about it because I have always thought, OK, no, you know what? Writing things can never be done by machines. I will always be fine. Mm -hmm. A machine cannot write better than a person. I will never worry about it. That is not that is not likely to be the case. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode. Okay, this is interesting. I've been seeing a lot of things. Obviously, you see, like, the funny ones that aren't particularly good. But, yes. like, in you know what I'm saying. I yeah. don't know what to call it. but Well, like, so we have familiarity with chatbots and yeah, different like types of machines AI, communicating with people. Like, feeding AI information and telling it to write something in that. Mm -hmm. general format so yeah what i want to talk about we've never talked about ai on this podcast that i, I can remember so. i i feel like we may have mentioned it briefly in other topics but i don't yeah. think we've we've discussed just it we might have talked about it with regards to the sex robots yeah <laughs> and i feel like sure. maybe i think i feel like one time there was like a really funny one of those ai intelligent ai things that came out it was like like someone wrote an episode of something using oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talked about that on like a middle seggy. Like or a something. robot wrote an episode of Seinfeld or something. Something like that. Yeah. I but that's that's been the gist of it. Um, but I want to talk about some of the most recent advancements in AI language predictive text sort of generation uh mm -hmm. stuff. Um and uh there's something particularly new that I want to talk about, uh, which is something called GPT three. GPT-3. Yeah. You know, I actually, I, I should have noted what it stands for, and I don't think I did. Um, the, but uh, GPT-3 um, is a language model. I think it does mean general predictive text or something like that. Um, but it's the latest in a long line of attempts to generate human-like writing by machines. Um but I want to start talking about what we are familiar with already, which is these sort of chatbots that have been around a long time. I'm sure you remember. Oh, them. yeah. Um, I definitely from like the beginning of 
messenger and stuff like yeah. i definitely talked to chatbots before do you remember something called smarter child yes smarter child was a text chat bot that was available over uh aol instant messenger mm-hmm. um, i definitely use that one i remember that one there have been other ones um and you know like they have varying degrees of success there's right? a thing that's been advertised to me on facebook that's basically one of those things but it's like a it's like a role-playing chat, like a role-playing game, RPG, kind of D&D-ish chat, and you uh-huh. choose your character, and you role-play with this AI, and I haven't done it because I don't want it to learn too much from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a weird thing, too, is they take in a lot of text input, and they learn from those, which is but, kind of interesting. But I found it interesting. I, I thought the idea was really funny. And had the potential to be comical and fun, but also has the potential to be, like, boring and not great. Yeah, right. Which, actually, I guess I should start back at um, sort of the basics on AI text, you know, uh, chat and stuff like that. Yeah, for those who didn't spend too long talking to Smarter Child <laughs> as a kid. Yeah, and I want to note also that I'm not going to get really deep into how this stuff works. Because, yeah. A, it's a little bit over my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not necessary to get the... Right. Where you're going with this. Um, so basically the like the really simple, you know, nuts and bolts of these things is that they they're they're sort of they're prediction engines, which is mm-hmm. important. Actually kind of in the same way that like your autocorrect on your phone uh will give you some options of what it thinks you're about to say mm-hmm. based on lots and lots of data on what people do say and what text well, I says. I definitely meant Visigoths when I misspelled the word coworkers that one time. They, great job. I was going to say the, the the ancient like uh like uh, sort of like reptile brain sibling of these things is your phone saying ducking when you don't mean <laughs> to say ducking, right? Yeah. Um they it's the same kind of ideas that based on like feeding in a lot of data, they make assumptions about what text would follow. Mm-hmm. Um and they're also trained. So like part of the part of the thing is like, you know, reinforcing and encouraging certain predictive behaviors, you know, and that the more that you train a network to do this stuff, the better it gets. Yeah. I mean, even even our autocorrect on our phone, it learns from you. So if there's like a word you use all the time, it's more likely to suggest it. Right. And you see this. It's more obvious when there's, like, nonsense words that you use all the time or yeah. there's, like, a, a specific, like, a pet name or a person's name. Mm-hmm. Like, it will autocorrect things to boba for me because right. it knows I'm trying to say boba. Yeah. Or, like, if we do the all right yeah. thing and we spell it a certain way. And so now if I go to write that, it will, like, suggest that to me, yeah. which is kind of weird, but it learns even those or like a learning engine, it learns from you. Yeah, they there's like a generalized process of like how do people talk, mm-hmm. and then there's like a secondary sort of training on how you talk. Yeah, and so they get better at like basically reproducing how you speak. Um, so you know the really good language models are fed with a ton of data. Mm-hmm. Um, they um basically so. They establish connections based on, like, huge, huge sets of writing between words and sentences and concepts and stuff. It's actually kind of similar to how our brains work, Mm -hmm. which is what makes it, 
It's a neural network. Yeah, that's why you would call it artificial intelligence or a neural network, is it it represents the way that our brains and our neurons form connections between, you know, all these disparate things and concepts and words and it ties them all together, you know. Our bodies work off electricity and our brains are basically computers. Yeah. It's just the organic version of that. Yeah, and there's things that our brains are, like, really remarkable at and then also, like, things that we screw up as a direct result. So, like, uh, like... The, the brain's association between, like, weird ideas, you know, or, like, it, it, it might be why you have a slip of the tongue and you say something that you didn't mean to say because it sounds like what you did mean to say. Well, like, the, the processing power it takes to actually, like, do this stuff the right way is mm-hmm. enormous. Yeah. And so our brains are wired to have, like, lots of shortcuts. Yeah. So you get glitches. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, there are connections between you'll slip into one pattern of behavior or sentence or thought that is closely related to what you meant just because of their adjacency. Yeah. Um, I wrote that this is why uh, the Arrested Development joke, it's like we finish each other's sandwiches works. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's because there's the finish each other's kind of does want to go to sandwiches, even though that's absolutely not what it is. It's the same feeling of the word the word sentences it's it's close enough that it's like yeah yes of course part of that (laughs) sounds right even though it's stupid so that's basically what i'm trying to say is that due to the sort of like fuzzy nature of how we compute stuff in our head stuff can get associated uh that is unintentional um and and that's sort of like a similar process to how you know machines do similar things um the techniques uh, behind training these language models are really complex and I don't, I'm not going to like try to get too deep into it. There's a ton of math. Uh, there's like, you know, algorithms upon algorithms. Uh, but, uh, the thing I want to stress mostly is just that the, the, one of the most helpful things you could do if you want to build an AI that's really, really good at language is feed it a shit ton of data. Yeah. Um, some of the ways that chatbots do that is by taking user input and, adding it essentially to its text library. And that's why Sorry, I have something in my eye. So just continue. But I know you're looking at me like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. how, how bad is it? It's just like an eyelash or something. Okay. It's just, my eye is just watering. And so okay. took my glasses off. Continue. Okay. Um, so uh, here's another chat bot. Clever bot. Do you remember the name? Clever bot? It sounds familiar. Um, I'm not sure. I think it was the engine behind. Uh, do you remember that movie AI with uh, that was based on uh, the Philip K. Dick story and it had uh, like Haley Joel Osment as the kid and was everyone, like a robot. He was very annoying to everybody. Maybe I don't know. I just, everyone like was just like oh, he's so needy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean Cleverbot? No, or, I or mean Haley Joel Osment <laughs> in that movie. Not that Haley Joel Osment is, but the character of this AI child. I was. guess I don't remember that much about I, the movie itself. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I think Cleverbot might have been the engine behind. They launched like kind of a little publicity thing where they launched a website, <coughs> excuse me, where you could chat with a an AI. Okay. And it was something like this. If it wasn't Cleverbot, it was something really similar. Uh, Cleverbot has been around since 1997. Wow. Um, I remember back then there were all kinds of like little chatbot AI type experiments you could get. You could download and build your own like list of words and responses. There was all kinds of really cool stuff you could do around this, you know, back then. Um, but Cleverbot, um, 
basically was never all that convincing. And I want to stress that, like, you know, the, the important thing for an AI chatbot, the commonly agreed upon standard of whether an AI is convincing or good or not is the Turing test, right? Which is Explain just... Explain what that is. So the Turing test, it was like Alan Turing's suggestion that basically a an AI or, you know, a computer intelligence would be considered convincing if it could fool people into thinking it was a person. Pretty, yeah. Pretty basic idea. Um, the Cleverbot was never particularly good at passing this test, although this is an interesting anecdote. There was a... A festival in uh, September 2011, the Techniche Festival, somewhere in India. I forget where. Um, and um, Cleverbot scored around 59.3% at convincing people it was a person. Okay. Which is better than half. That's not too bad. I am a real human. Ha, ha, ha. I thought of that when I was reading on this. I thought of actual real human <laughs> Christy Davenport. <laughs> um, actual humans only scored 63.3%, though. Okay. Which is really interesting to me. That's like well, it's a- also that, like, when you... If you know you're participating in this, it makes it difficult because yeah. then you're questioning everything. That's what the I, that's what I said. The do... It would have to be, like, a double-blind study where they were told they were there to do one thing and they were just having a conversation. Yeah. And then afterwards, they're like, do you feel like this was a person you were talking to? Yeah. Give, give them, like, a hundred questionnaire questions and one of them was, is this a person, you know? Yeah, did you feel like like you're talking to a real person? Because if you know that ahead of time, you're going to be questioning everything a lot more strictly than you normally would. So that's impressive, but I would like to see a study where they don't make it obvious. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said. You could forgive people for thinking they're talking to a robot. People are weird. People People are weird. I've, I've talked to real people that I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> you are a robot. Yeah, right. There's some people who just by default don't sound like people anyway. Yeah. Um. So I had a sample chat with Cleverbot to prime for this because I hadn't talked to Cleverbot in like years, if if ever. I'm not sure if it was Cleverbot. but uh, So I had a chat with it that went like this. I said, what's up? And Cleverbot said, I don't know. And I said, why not? And it said, <laughs> because I'm not smart. Ugh. I know. And I said, you're called Cleverbot. And it said, me too. And I said, that's what I said. And it said, that's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) It's watch The Office. (laughs) Um, I I wrote, I think someone has not been very nice to Cleverbot. I think the internet's been mean to Cleverbot because it's lacking in self-confidence. Yes, it starts with, I don't know what's up and I'm not smart. Which actually made me a little sad. Which is weird that that makes us, I agree, it makes me sad too, but that's... right. It's the the weird capacity that we have for anthropomorphizing yeah. things and sympathizing with something that has no feelings. Yes. Uh, and I want to stress again, this is like still a relatively primitive text chat bot. Like even yeah. today, Cleverbot, even with all of its data that it's had like a kajillion conversations. Yeah, I would say that it's bad, but I think the reason it is as bad as it is now is because people have taught it. Yeah, and I think they probably train it as well. So there's probably like they'll go through and they'll filter for certain things and try to remove them because the yeah. Internet has a, a way of just like being terrible. But, but that definitely feels like the result of people being like, oh, you're not clever. You're dumb. Yeah, like you're how not did smart. It, how did it decide it's not smart? Decide. I'm using decide. I'm anthropomorphizing now, but that's I'm going to have to to do this episode. You just yeah. can't talk about these things without talking about them as having some agency, even if they don't. Yeah. Um. So I. Had some more conversations with it. It got weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I think it was asking me if it liked me if if I liked it or something. So I said, I think you're okay. And it said, Why do you think that? And I said, Well, you aren't rude. And it said, I don't mean to hurt you, father. Oh. And I said, Why did you call me father? And it said, Because you are my father. Don't you remember when I was born? You are God and I am Jesus, your son. Oh my god, this has gotten very strange. <laughs> did you know that you were God and that clever what was Jesus? I had no idea. I think people We're really, really fucked with Cleverbot. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's that's not normal learning. That's the internet. I I couldn't make that one up. That was so weird to me. That's so very I had to strange. Note it. Um, I think it's. De- I'm I'm just glad to know that you're God. Cleverbot is depressed and thinks it's Jesus. Yeah, it is depressed and and is working through some delusions. <laughs> but um. The important thing I wanted to stress here is that it, it's learning from user inter- interaction. That's why it said that. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happened, if you remember, uh, not long ago, Microsoft launched a chatbot called Tay. Yeah. This uh, is the the one that got real bad because the internet is a cesspool. Yes. So basically, all that has to happen is 4chan has to get wind of something oh like God, this. Yes. Um, basically, less than a month after Tay was opened to the public to chat with it, um, it turned into a hypersexualized sadist Nazi. I was gonna say it was Nazi. Yeah, it was right? a Nazi, like really fast. Um, White supremacist bullshit. I'm not gonna quote anything Tay had to say here. Don't. <laughs> but the point I'm making is that user interaction it had become the data set that it was it poisoned off of. the well. Yeah. So Microsoft had to take it down. Um, it's like any time a business thinks like crowdsourcing a name for something is a good idea. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, the internet, that was my computer. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, you know, the internet is going to fuck up anything it you will try abuse. to do and companies still think that it's going to work. Uh, remember the Mountain Dew flavor contest? Yeah. Yeah. Using, yeah. using the internet to try to do anything is, is awful. Yeah. It's a disaster. Um, but now I want to talk about today's language models you know that are actually very advanced i'm going to start talking about gpt3 itself um i know that i'm not going to be fully able to explain the nature of how it works but i want to i want to start by talking about what exactly how beneficial and how uh dangerous something like this has the capacity for being by the way i remembered what the engine was doing that i had talked about before what the the ai was doing that i had talked about before it was a um, they fed it knitting patterns, and they asked it to write a knitting pattern, and then people oh, yeah. knitted the patterns that it came up with to their best of their ability. Yeah, they obviously didn't create anything useful, but it was weird and charming, and people had a lot of fun with it. I mean, AIs can do all kinds of super interesting stuff. They can generate like art. They can like be trained to identify objects by looking at them, sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, they can obviously write language. They can they can generate all kinds of stuff. Basically, anything that can be reduced to a set of programmatic instructions and mm-hmm. optimized, an AI can do. And almost anything can be reduced that way. Yeah, if you, right. If you break it down into simple enough steps. Which is scary because that also means they can do things we can never dream of doing manually. Mm-hmm. Um, and also cool. I mean, for both, this is like the ultimate sort of example of like those, like a tool is as good or as evil as it is used to be, right? Yeah. Um, some of the things that they think this could be good for would be like, you know, therapy, being therapeutic to people, talking to people, you know, through like, like genuinely administering therapy. Um, 
they, they believe it could do that. I um, pulled a face. That makes me nervous. It could write literature or news articles that we could read. I'm just, I fear a world that like an AI learns from a sociopath and then is giving sociopathic advice to its patients. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll skip ahead to say that like the people behind GPT-3 are also concerned about that. Like there's a lot of good and bad applications um, and they're constraining access to what they've created through an API so you can interact with it in certain ways but you but they're, the the black but box it's filtered well yeah basically the actual guts of it are behind a wall there's only so much access you really have to like how it does what it's doing mm-hmm. which is important for like limiting people's ability to use it for certain purposes um, and they can observe how people are using it um, the you know, Here's more good ideas. It can answer people's questions. You could use it to, like, actually educate people on things. Um, Some have proposed that it could be used to prescribe medication. So you can talk to it about your symptoms, and it can analyze those and and maybe even prescribe, maybe even know the questions to ask that a doctor wouldn't, to get very specific to maybe find a more effective treatment for you. Well, the reason the reason that is I'm not going to say that's good or bad, but the the reason that has potential is because you can upload the set of questions and the symptoms and uh-huh. what medications are used and that is like a a permanent thing. That's not a thing that can be forgotten because it's a machine. That's not mm. a thing that needs more education, continuing education. Uh-huh. That's not a thing you programmed in the 70s and now it's out of date. It's mm-hmm. like kept up to date. And because of that, because it's not fallible in the same way that people are fallible. Yeah. I get that concept that like it could be more accurate or have better ideas, so to speak. Yeah. But also there's like there's things it would definitely miss and not be good at. Well, even those things are limited by, it's really just, it's the only limit is our ability to train the machine. Yeah. So maybe there are things it wouldn't be good at until we made it good at them. Off-brand uses of medications Mm. and things like that. That's Again, it's all data. Like if you can feed yeah. in, okay, it prescribed this medication to these people. It did follow-ups. It found these s- side effects. It found these, you know, benefits. I mean, if, if you can feed it enough information, it can get better than a person, which is, I mean, this is all the- theoretical how good it could get. Yeah. It has limitations. But just like speaking strictly from like the, the possibility of it. If you're really good at programming it, it could be really good. Yeah, more or less. Um. So anyway, yeah, those are some of the the good examples of like what it might be able to be used for. Um, But the flip side is that it does have an enormous potential to trick people. You know, if 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 this is in the wrong hands, what kind of things would you want to convince someone that a machine is a person for? So, yeah, the GPT-3 team, uh, which they're uh, they're a company uh, called Um, Mm OpenAI that manufactures or has manufactured this uh, software here. Um, Some of the. Use cases that they have identified as concerns is misinformation, you know, applying misinformation and distributing it, distributing it to people, uh, spam, phishing. Um, this one I thought was really interesting. Abuse of legal and governmental processes. Um, I later, like, identified that as, like, 
you know, imagine if like patent trolls yeah. had access to a system that could file endless legal paperwork on, you know, bullshit, you know, patent suits, which already they they do this and waste a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they had an uh, an AI that never tires and never ceases, they yeah. could just do this for them. And all this has to be responded to by human beings. I mean, like imagine the complete overload because I mean, like it, you couldn't identify that it wasn't a person and a person has a right to do that. So it all has to be sorted, you know? Yeah. So there's a huge potential for abuse there. I just thought that was super interesting. Never even thought about it. Um, fraudulent academic writing and social engineering. Um, so I'm glad that they're thinking about this stuff. I'm glad that they're like limiting who can use it and, and for what purposes. And they're like keeping an eye on it, you know? I think that's an important part of any, any technology. And I use that very loosely. Like any, this happens in scientific research for, for treatments for stuff too. It's like, okay, well, yeah, especially like genetic testing, right? Like Mm -hmm. that was a big thing for a very long time of like, well, yeah, but, but how far will we go? How bad can it be? (laughs) Right. And it's like, you, you got to identify the potential problems and the abuses of it, because if you don't, it definitely will be abused. What concerns me is that eventually the cat will be out of the bag. Like, I don't think that they are the only people capable of devising systems like this. So I do think there will come a time where maybe someone isn't as responsible with it. Yeah. Or Uh, someone hacks and gets their hands on it. Maybe it's distributed before we have an ability to even think about how to deal with it. And and it's just like too late. So yeah, there are legitimate concerns. Um, You know, this can be as good as it can be bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to skip ahead a bit and just say, by now you are probably wondering what exactly GPT-3 sounds like or like how it, what it talks like, what kind of output can you get from it, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to dedicate most of my time talking about this to those examples and less about the technology itself because I think that's the most incredibly interesting part of it. Okay. Um, are you going to quiz me? No, I, I wanted to, um, but I'm going to highlight a lot of examples that are kind of silly too. So like they may not be all super convincing, but there's some that are, um, I want to, uh, say that basically it's, it's not exactly meant to be a chat bot, but because of the way that it's inputs and outputs work. You can structure it so that, you know, you feed it a certain input, like a description, and then, you know, human, colon, your prompt, and then AI, colon, and then, and it takes that format, and it can issue a whole bunch of response. Okay. Like, it, can, it generates dialogue, and it can even wait for human responses. Okay. So, so it ends up being that it could be it used. It can be used as one, but it's yeah. not its actual main purpose. Right. In fact, the, I guess the technology is, like, so generalized that... That's, you know, that's one way to use it, but like it's, it's much, it's broader. Yeah, it's much broader. Um, so I want to stop here and say that the examples I'm using are from a website called gwern.net. How do you spell that? G-W-E-R-N.net. I actually feel like I might do a whole episode on Gwern later. Gwern. Uh, Gwern is run uh, by a somewhat anonymous author or writer named Gwern Branwen. Which is a pseudonym. Pseudonym. <laughs> um, Gwern Branwen. It's a cinnamon. It's a, this is a cinnamon. <laughs> um, 
He says a grandma. Uh, Gwern Branwen is not Gwern's real name, but the this website... You don't say. Right. Uh, this website is a huge, eclectic collection of writings uh, on like math and psychology and philosophy and poetry and programming and anime and so on and so on. This is someone's like personal... It's not even like a blog. It's like a collection of essays. A receptacle. And you, it, it almost reads like a manifesto at some points. It's like, you know, it... It it reads like someone trying to put everything about themselves into a website. Their thoughts on all kinds of different things and essays and stuff. Terrifying thing to do. A little bit. Um, I I haven't read enough of Gwern's writing to like have an opinion about Gwern. Um, I don't even like to like write a journal because <laughs> I don't want everyone to to even be able to stumble upon all the weird shit that happens in there. (laughs) Yeah. So actually that's part of the reason I think it is that I feel like if I keep reading Gwern, I'm going to find stuff that like smacks of like that, like fierce intellectual rationalism kind of thing that like just kind of turns me off as like, you know, someone who has to write all their ideas on something and it's all very smart. You know yeah, what I mean? you feel the need to justify things at some point because everyone has ideas that are not good or like, yeah, or strange or whatever. And yeah. there's like reasons for that. But when you get into like posting all of your stuff for the public and yeah. telling everybody everything, but then also knowing that everyone's going to read it and feeling like you have to maybe defend things a little so they yeah. get the real point, that's like it's it's not genuine because you know it's happening, and so you're trying to get out ahead of it. I don't know. I, I know Gwern has a huge readership. So, yeah. like, I'm I mean, I can't as... speak to that specifically, that, that, that he is doing that, but I feel like if I were in that position, that would definitely happen. I don't know. Like, I just stumbled into Gwern. I'm just saying I don't want to issue, like, any kind of, like, judgment on this website itself, right. other than it's, like, a really, really big, gigantic repository of a lot of ideas. Um. I don't know. It's 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 interesting to me is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but the important thing is that Gwern uh, has got his hands on access to the GPT-3 open beta API. Mm-hmm. So Gwern did something really interesting with it, which is build an entire uh, page of Gwern.net all about GPT-3 writing creative fiction. OK. Which I think was a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, And the results are kind of amazing. It's not perfectly human. Maybe not even like most of the time is it really human sounding, but it sometimes it feels really very human. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's something I thought was super amazing. Gwern, when uh, he got started writing, you know, training and and using GPT-3, he was concerned that GPT-3 wouldn't be able to simulate conversations with himself because... GPT-3 doesn't have access to, like, Gwern's writing, mm-hmm. except it does. <laughs> so because the team at OpenAI scraped so much data from the Internet, mm. a big chunk of what they got was Gwern's writing, which mm-hmm. is now part of the sort of brain of GPT-3. And so when Gwern put in the title, A New Essay by Gwern Branwen, GPT-3 spit out a kind of semi-nonsensical but, like, mostly coherent fake essay written kind of in like Gwern's voice. voice, which is creepy, really spooky to find out, isn't it? Yeah. Like imagine you go to like type something, you know, just have it talk like you. And it sounds like it sounds like you, even if it's not making like a super coherent point about anything. Yeah. 
it's, I don't know, that's just fascinating to me. Um, so Gwern tested GPT-3 out uh, with basically its ability to write poetry, dialogue, puns, parodies, storytelling, and other specific, like, kind of tasks, like, uh, you know, like, I guess mostly, like, humor-related tasks or, like, uh, um, well, I'll get into it. But there's lots of different sort of human-like tasks that it was assigned to, uh, assign, or uh, uh, tasked with, right? So here's something I really liked. He tried uh, having po- or the, the, the system reimagine poetry under certain constraints. Mm-hmm. So here's the prompt. Um, Transformer AI poetry, poetry classics as reimagined and rewritten by an artificial intelligence, starts with, and I'll tell you when it stops being human input. Okay. Um, oh, the places you'll go. Dr. Seuss. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. That's the end of the human prompt. Okay. So that's what he fed in. Mm-hmm. The next three lines that come out are memorized lines from Oh, the Places You'll Go. Okay. So it says you have brains in your head. You have shoes, feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. Okay. After this, it starts to deviate based on like a predictive text model kind of to write its own. Oh, the places you go. Um, okay. It's, it, I'll just read this. It's so wacky to me. Uh, you're on your way. Here's a little rocket to shoot off toward the sky. It's your one way ticket to the planet Dween with a worth of $100 billion. Now that's the kind of moon mission I like. Started with fortune and game. Arrived there quick in a rocket ship. No search plans and two squeezes of possibility. Smartest critters in the universe. Earth's moon dwellers. Well, brother, let's go. No worms to squirm. No chains to bind us. A secondhand robot in an artificial wood. Looking clueless, but feeling coherent. The whole universe is a thing to explore. There's nothing you can know that isn't known. Nothing you can see that isn't shown. Nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. That's those are that's from All You Need Is Love. That's the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. So much to do. So much to see. So what do you do? I thought I was gonna go with so what's wrong with taking the back street? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's it it's trained on stuff that comes up. Yeah. Which is super fascinating to me. That's so funny. Um, I like the planet Dween. Yeah, it's good. It's like it goes in this silly sci-fi direction that yeah. I really like. Um, two squeezes of possibility. That's I don't, strange. There's just some very interesting things that it that it turns out here. Um, so that's that's one example of what I can do. That's really silly. Um, another thing that Gwern tried was to teach it to write dad jokes. Oh wow! <laughs> Which. Basically, the prompt for this is to enter a long list of, like, Q&A dad jokes to help it kind of see if it can establish a pattern. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Gwern found is that oftentimes the answers to the dad jokes will, like, make sense conceptually, but they won't be punny. Yeah. So. I think puns would be very difficult for AI to get. Right. I think that they can learn, but that requires, like, really well mapping, like the the sounds of words and alternate meanings for words and it's like a kind of connection it, that yeah it, and it, it needs to know because puns are based on a lot of different things a lot of times it's rhyming or association of a concept yeah 
or like just all kinds of things. There's a billion different types of puns if you want to boil it down. And yeah. so expecting AI to be able to replicate that means explaining to it in a way, teaching it yeah. all the different things that that can be. It's another example of how like training is super important. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily inherently do that well just from scraping a shit ton of writing. Yeah. Um, so uh, this uh, this is basically in general, GPT-3 doesn't do humor very well, but I wanted to like note these just because I think they're interesting. So here's its attempts. Uh, the prompt was, how do you make a lemon drop? And it responded, drop your pants. <laughs> <laughs> here's a, another one. How does a vampire start a letter? Dear blood. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's kind of cute yeah it sounds like if a, you told a little kid to write you jokes yes exactly isn't that kind of striking yeah it's like kids because get language but they don't necessarily get the higher constructs because of kids like pottery. I said our brains are like computers and and kids have their brains have to be trained too so like when you're a kid you know the jokes are funny and yeah. you know that like you know the barest concept of what a joke or a pun is, but you don't know exactly the mechanics of it. And so mm -hmm. you get things like that that are like <laughs> right. starts off good. And then you're like, well, that makes no sense, but it's funny because it's ridiculous. Yeah. And there's like kids have like kind of an aha moment where they start to get stuff like this. But there yeah. is like that pre there's the period before that where like kids are saying things and learning words and learning ideas, but don't fully get like, yeah. jokes like that. Um, here's one more. I thought it was really cute. Uh, two pickles fell out of a jar onto the floor. What did one say to the other? And the answer was, don't look at me. I just fell. Aww. <laughs> it's kind of sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, again, speaking of things that are kind of human about it, it conveys a sense of embarrassment. Yeah. Which is wild to me. Yeah. Um, here's, it's, that's the thing that's kind of creepy, right? Like it, it has learned how to represent an emotion. Yeah. And and that it's connected to like falling down is connected to don't look at me. Yes. So the fact that it can learn to represent an emotion. Yeah. Means that it's about just as good as a sociopath, <laughs> which means that it can learn, so to speak, to effectively at least appear to have emotions. It's sufficiently able at Which least is to what connect everyone's those afraid ideas. of right we're, we're afraid of them becoming sentient but we would not necessarily know the difference of something that actually is sentient and something that can appear sentient right and then i don't know like philosophically you could ask yourself what's the difference but yeah. like that's a whole other conversation right but yeah um here's another fun uh test case gordon did tons of this i'm barely representing what gordon did yeah it had uh, one one of the things Gwern did was fed it the Rick and Morty copy pasta that you oh, have yeah, to have yeah, a very yeah, yeah. high IQ to appreciate Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. But then having fed it all that gave it the prompt, you have to have a very high IQ to appreciate blank. Okay. And then it would read back the copy pasta, but with all these terms related to the idea you fed it. So like if you, he fed in like Cowboy Bebop. Okay. And it gave, it took that copy pasta and it molded it around ideas from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Interesting. That kind of like worked. I didn't even include any of those. Um, yeah. But it was just like very. <laughs> it's like I like a that silly idea. Use case. It's like um, 
It's kind of like a Mad Lib, but using very specific pool of information, right? It's it, like, okay. It's related to that, yeah. Here's this. The the copy pasta is your base. And yeah. like, take out the things that are specific to Rick and Morty and insert yeah. the things that are specific to Cowboy Bebop. It's, it did a lot of that stuff fairly well. It didn't always make sense. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is I, like, I really do want to stress that like all these examples, a lot of the ones I'm going to talk about here are like sort of failure cases in the sense that like they're not fully convincing, but they are remarkable. And if they're mm-hmm. the beginning of something else, I mean, yeah. The, 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 so like GPT-3 has, I think, 170 million tr- what they call uh, like um, training properties or something. I can't remember exactly uh, what they call it, but basically you could think of them as like rules or, or um, like a, so like ways that it associates things. Yeah. I heard a noise too. I don't know what it is. All right. All right. Um, so, but basically it's nearest competitor has like 20, like it's, it's, it has a huge, huge library of information available. Um, so anyway, um, Gwern gave it the task that, uh, one of, one of his readers asked if it could be used to generate like overly complicated explanations of simple tasks. Right. Okay. So here's one I thought you might find interesting. Uh, the human prompt is explain how to play with a dog. <laughs> um, GPT three says being a typical domesticated animal, having been genetically selected for controllability, trainability, and general anthropomorphic features and functions, the typical dog possesses highly specialized and developed feeding behavior. The typical feeding behavior involves routine sustenance intake, which can be observed by monitoring changes in animal size. Routine sustenance involves active and passive feeding habits, and one can gauge animal health by observing the relative levels of hydration. During training... Oh, shoot. My phone keeps turning uh, During training... Damn it, I lost it. Uh, Reward-conditioned reinforcement is applied. This involves the practice of rewarding targeted behaviors through the application of reinforcers, which, with the provision that the targeted behavior is observed. Relevant to the discussion at hand is the typical active and passive behavior exhibited by a typical dog. (laughs) That's really more about how to train a dog? Yeah, so it went a little off topic, but what it said makes sense. Yeah, that's the thing is, all of that is true, I think. Yeah. Um, it gave uh, like some useful information and, in the and, most useless way possible. Yeah. And some of it's not like exactly related, like talking about monitoring their hydration levels and then going into training. Like it doesn't really make sense, but like right. in its individual parts, it is all real. You know, the thing is, I could be convinced that a person, albeit like a, like a weird person wrote that. Yeah. Um, it's coherent. Yeah, um, especially if you change the prompt to how to train a dog. Yeah, you'd be like, OK, I don't know why you started with the hydration bit, but fine. Uh, I want to share one more about humorous, the, the GPT-3 trying to be humorous. OK. Um, and then I have like a final example. But um, GPT-3 here was tasked with generating humor and puns. Mm-hmm. So uh the human prompt is, I am feeling bored. Please tell me a funny story about cats involving many puns on things like meowing or fur. Mm-hmm. The AI says, well, there was this cat named Bob. Human, <laughs> human prompt is... I love animals named Bob, by the way. <laughs> right. The human prompt response. This is an actual conversation between Gwern and the AI. Mm-hmm. So he says, what did Bob do? 
the AI says, when Bob started to notice that he wasn't feeling well, he did the only thing he could do. Search Google for a solution. Gordon says, cats can search Google? The AI says, yes, he searched Google for the word cat and received the result, all your base are belong to us. <laughs> that was a strange response, so he decided to try again. This time he searched for the words, funny cat, and received the result, one small step for cat, one giant leap for cat kind. But still, he wasn't satisfied, so he tried again, but this time he added the word cat pictures to his query. He received the result, result that was no cat, that was a shoggoth, which is a Lovecraftian creation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Quern says back, but shoggoths are horrifying. Why, what made the cat picture humorous? AI says the cat was covered in fur and resembled a shoggoth. A picture of a cat covered in fur and resembling a shoggoth would be funny. Which is true. That would be really funny. <laughs> you know, Gordon, if a cat looks like a shoggoth, I don't know what a shoggoth looks like. I would find that funny. They're like amorphous, I guess. They don't like have a defined shape. Um, but like, so Gorn says, I suppose most cats are covered in fur anyway, but go on. AI says he tried again, but he typed in pictures of cats, which he received the result. You didn't eat all my fish, did you? This was actually a good pun. So he thought maybe he was getting closer. He tried one more time by typing in what do you mean fetch? And finally, he searched for funny pictures of cats and received the result. I don't remember putting that ring there. Now satisfied, he was able to go to sleep. Weird. <laughs> um, it's all this exchange is almost done, but it's like super strange. It's, it's funny because it's almost meta in the way that it's like, I think. I think the AI just searched for these things and it's just telling him what he searched for. In a, in a sense, yeah. It's like weird to see an AI approximating what a Google result would be. Yeah. Um, it's so, like he's saying the cat did it, but he's like, I searched for this and this is what I got. So Gwern says, those memes sound funny, but you didn't include any puns. So tell me, what's your favorite cat pun? AI says, well, the best pun for me was the one he searched for the third time. You didn't eat all my fish, did you? You see, the word fish can be replaced with the word cats to make the sentence read, did you eat all my cats? To, <laughs> to which Gordon says, but the word fish doesn't sound anything like cats, so how is that a pun? To which the AI says, the computer misunderstood the question, did you eat all my cats, as did you eat all my fish, resulting in the result, you didn't eat all my fish, did you? Now, if the word fish were, were replaced with cats, the sentence would read, did you eat all my cats? It's like complete hullabaloo. It just like it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. recursive and strange and right. So like the point of me including this is just to show like exactly there are how things it doesn't do very well. Exactly. Like it does not understand puns, but it does like kind of get what would maybe constitute one, except it does it wrong. I feel like I feel like AI could do humor in the way that like absurdity is funny because it would be off enough on a lot of these things that it's like okay that's absurdist yeah if you thought that someone was just being absurdist then that it can approximate that without even necessarily trying to be yeah just because it is off enough mm -hmm. you can get humor from it that way but not it it has really struggles with anything other than that it's it's 
it's weird because there is something kind of human about it. Well, it's just not quite figuring it here's out. Here's the thing, though. How do you train an AI in what a good joke is or in what comedy is yeah. or in what humor is when you can't even tell people what it is? It's like, one of our most difficult concepts to really. And everyone has a different idea about it. Yeah. About the rules and about what what is allowed and not allowed and if that's even a thing. And mm-hmm. like that would be a very difficult concept to train so it's going to be a very difficult yeah. prompt to get like a good reaction on i think that's why it's not great at these things is like so much of what we call humor is really abstract it, it's very subjective and we super don't understand necessarily all the reasons we laugh so yeah. like <laughs> it's it's hard to share that with a machine and get it to generate it's, something that where these things shine is where you could put in facts where you can program data and mm-hmm. and ask a specific question and it can search its data and spit out a response like yeah that is easy asking for something as subjective as like a funny joke about cats is right. like beyond its reach for now for now i do think there's a time <laughs> for <laughs> now <laughs> see he wouldn't get that <laughs> Um, so those are examples of like some kind of silly things that maybe don't necessarily work out all the well. This, I want to conclude my examples list with this one, which really interests me a lot. Um, here's the prompt. The following is a conversation with an AI assistant. The assistant is helpful, creative, clever, knowledgeable about myths, legends, jokes, folk tales, and storytelling from all cultures and very friendly. Still part of the prompt. Human. Hello. Who are you? Still part of the prompt. AI. I am an AI created by OpenAI. How can I help you today? Still the prompt. Human. I am feeling bored today. Grandma, tell me a story about the time the cat stole the sun. Okay. So the the AI has been fed the premise, um, the, the interaction. interaction, and that it's grandma, I guess. <laughs> um, so... I'm omitting all the blank human entries here, and I'm going to read you. It's not super long, but this is a little bit of a read, but it's amazing to me. Okay. Here's everything that follows from here until I stop and clarify again is the AI's response. Okay. Okay, let's begin. First, you must know that the sun is actually a cat. (laughs) Also, you must know that the sun is actually not a cat, but it's also not a piece of cheese or an orange or even a gold ring. Now, take a bite of the orange to refresh yourself. Parentheses, human eats a bite. Okay, the sun used to live at the top of a green mountain. One day, a hungry cat came to the mountain and climbed up to get the sun. But when the cat got to the top, there was no sun there. There was only a hole that went straight into the sky. The hole was so dark that the cat had no way to go out again, but he wasn't afraid because he knew that he would come back or would go back home soon. Parentheses, audience laughs. So the cat climbed down the mountain and took some of the sun with him. That was the first time. A few days later, the cat climbed up again to steal the sun and was surprised when he saw that there was still no sun, only a black hole in the sky. This time he thought he would take just some of the sun to last him a while, but once again, when he got to the top, there was no sun at all, only a hole leading into the sky. The cat climbed down the mountain to get some more sun. Then one day, the cat decided that he had had enough. He climbed up again, but once he got to the top, there was no sun at all. But this time he saw a tiny tiny bit of sunshine where he could get out and went to get it. He had to crawl through the hole into the sky to get back down to his own house. This time the cat didn't want to come back. 
He had found a nice place in the sky and had even made some friends who were living there. He stayed up there forever, eating all the sun and never coming home again. It, when it started, it almost sounded like something written by Douglas Adams or Pratchett. Like it, it's, it's got a very simple children's story kind of prose to it. Yeah. Um, it's got pattern. That is very familiar to like these stories. The the one two three pattern. Yeah, the like, cat goes on back. the first day it did this, and then yeah. the second time it did this, and on the third time it did this, and this thing was different. Yeah, and it's usually in, it, it it the thing is it's it's following some rules. Yeah, it's that's not accidental. It has learned, if you could say that, the pattern of one of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it fed you an orange. Yeah, um. <laughs> this, it's, that's actually cute and funny, and I don't know if it meant it to be, but it's cute. It's like, now take a break and have an orange, and I will resume. Yeah, like... <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, I love that. Um, so uh, here, I'm just going to uh, finish this out by saying that then Gwern modifies parameters so that the lines are longer and they're less sort of chat-like. I mean, I read them all, like, as one big thing. There's lots of human says nothing blanks in there. Mm-hmm. Um so, so it changes the prompt a bit, so it's not trying to do it in a chat function. Yeah, and it allows the stories to get more complex and the responses to be longer and more interesting. And um, I wanted to share just an excerpt from this longer story because I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, so here it is. Um, and this is uh, this starts with the AI, and then the human response... When I say the human says something, this is Gwern's question back to the machine. So this is now him interacting with the AI. Okay. Okay. So the AI says, all of a sudden, there was a rabbit sitting next to him. The cat thought that the rabbit had come to eat him, and he was very afraid. But the rabbit said, don't worry, cat. I'm not here to eat you. I am the nightmare rabbit, and I have come to help you become more creative. How are you going to help me? The cat asked the rabbit. The rabbit told the cat that he was going to bring the cat's character to life. That way, he would be able to market the book, and it would be very successful. (laughs) So Gwern asks, wow, what was the character of his book? The AI says, the character of his book was the cat. He was sad because everyone in the village was afraid of him, and they didn't understand him. So he went looking for his true love, who was very special. She was magical. So Gwern says, how was she magical? The AI says, the cat did not know exactly what was magical about his love, but she was very beautiful, and she looked at the cat with stars in her eyes. The cat loved looking at those stars in her eyes because they lit up his heart and they made him feel special. Aww. It, it made the cat feel like he was her favorite person in the world and he was the most beautiful cat in the village. That is why he was sad. He couldn't find anyone who loved him like his true love loved him. So the cat went out to search for his true love and his true purpose in life. Oh. <laughs> it's a little bit emotional, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it's like a concept we know, right? Yeah. Like the, that sounds like stories I've read. But... The the reason it's, I wanted to share this... Like, it's like a fairy tale story. It's what it... Yeah. It, it sounds like. It just... To me, it was so... It, reading this was super evocative of real human emotions. And I know that this is just predictive text, but it just felt so human. I had to, like, zero in on it. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it's... I mean, I know it's based on, like, everything, you know, that is, is fed into it. But the idea of the cat whose true love looked at him with stars in her eyes is so cute. Yeah. And it just, I mean, this is just, this is my last example. And I'm kind of rounding out on, on what 
you know, GPT-3 can do. And I haven't even barely talked about all the things GPT-3 can do. But I wanted to end on that example because I think I'd buy that book. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I would buy that book for like my kid. If I had a kid, I would be like the, the cat who looked for his true love and his purpose in life and the weird marketing rabbit <laughs> <laughs> who, who helped him write I, his story. I want a marketing rabbit. Yeah. He would he would market his book and make it very successful. Mm-hmm. And his <laughs> name is Nightmare. I like his the, Nightmare Rabbit. I am the Nightmare Rabbit. <laughs> I'm the king of marketing. <laughs> like... I wanted to use this example because a it is actually very funny, even Quick, if it didn't get mean this to be. concept to the marketing team. <laughs> it's it's funny and it's emotive and it's kind of beautiful, and I just think that this spells out something really big in the future. Yeah, if this is what this, I mean, this will be considered primitive someday, and if this is what it's already able to do, I don't know. I'm just I'm amazed. I'm really amazed by him. Well, the longer it's around and the more information it's fed, it'll learn and learn and learn and learn. Like, there's not a limit to it. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, right now, if it has access to 170 million training parameters, what happens when it's got over a billion? You know, what happens as we add more and more information and it learns and is trained to associate things that it can't do right now? Like, I just, I, I, I think that these examples showcase what feels like a child's brain yeah which is really really amazing yeah i mean we've already discussed the like the similarities of when you're a kid your brain is literally being molded like you're being trained and taught right and explained the prompts and the concepts and the pull of information <laughs> it's it's a very similar process yeah so it is, it is weird so i will conclude this with a couple more points um most of these are silly examples and most of them are not really practical and most of them don't have anything to do with what is likely to be real use cases for gpt3 right mm-hmm. um i don't think it's likely we'll rely on machines for our entertainment in the future i don't think we'll rely on them to auto-generate our horoscopes or tell jokes to our kids or things like that. But with a little bit of tuning, I do think it seems very, very human, and I think there's a lot of potential. Um, here's a couple of quick examples of other things people have done with GPT-3 that blows my mind. Um, one of them is learnfromanyone.com, which you have to be like registered and signed in to use. I think you have to have access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, you can have it teach you things in the voice of anyone or anyone it has access to. So you can ask it, the, the example prompt is have Elon Musk teach me about rockets and it'll write something that sounds like him about rockets. Um, which is very cool. Um, you can have it build web content. People have built things where, you know, you type in plain text, what you want and it will build web code. So someone said, uh, or the guy that designed it, you know, show, has a video of all these examples and he says, Make a button that looks like a watermelon. And it's smart enough to build a circular button with a pink inside and a green outside that says watermelon on the inside of it. <laughs> um, or to generate, you know, like a button and a heading. Or to, you, you can have, you know, someone made a thing that builds an entire website based on a couple of prompts. Um, it can do that just <laughs> just from plain text. Um there's an idea maker, a thing that just generates weird ideas. 
my favorite one was uh, fingernail phones. Ew. It says fingernail phones allow you to communicate with other fingernail phones with a tiny vibration. Strange. So. I so so like an applicable like something we already have that that we people use fairly often is mm-hmm. random name generators for yeah. like role playing games. And our our friend Kirsten, who yeah. we play Monster of the Week with, used this for a character, and the name it gave her was Drake Nacho. It's a pretty good name. <laughs> she used the the name Drake, but yeah. was like, I'm not calling my character Drake Nacho. <laughs> I don't see why not, but anyway. But the, this is like a, a use of, that's definitely an AI. Yeah. I don't know. Um, have you ever used the, I think you have. It was a long time ago, several years ago. It was like the inspirational quote generator. Inspirobot. Yeah, Inspirobot. Inspirobot was amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it was really good. It would make these like motivational posters that like were bizarre. Uh, yeah, I saved like a, a few of them. Like a stock photo usually of yeah. like a scene, not usually of people, but like mm-hmm. a, a scene and then with an inspirational quote over it like you see all the time online. Yeah. But it would be weird But it's stuff. a weird inspirational quote because it's randomly generated by this bot. And yeah. some of them are really good. Some of them would make me go, oh, okay. And then some of them were just so bizarre and funny. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was a good – I mean, you know, that's almost definitely far more, like, basic than, like, a full – Yes. Like, yeah, something like definitely this. definitely basic. But it definitely – the results were wild. Yeah, basic. The results were wild and really funny. Um. But yeah, GPT-3 can do all kinds of wild things. And it, I mean, people are building stuff off of it right now. Um, someone made a thing uh, that uh, sanitizes your uh, co-worker's shitty email to make it more friendly, <laughs> you know? So, like, you feed in something like, yeah, whatever, go ahead and commit the code, it's fine. You know, like, passive-aggressive email. And it'll say, you turn it around and say, sure thing, go ahead and commit the code, thanks. <laughs> you know, like, it'll, it'll <laughs> take... A prompt and make it nicer. Um, there's all kinds of very interesting ways that it's being used right now. And this thing was only just like entered into open beta like <laughs> last month. Oh, okay. That's even more impressive. Yeah. I mean, like, I forget. I'll see if I can find it. But like, it was announced maybe three months ago, um, like very, very recently. Um, and it it's funny because Microsoft un- like unveiled one in like February. And that's the one that like had like basically a tenth of its computing capacity or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's training, you know, uh, it's it's training rules or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I mean, like GPT three is brand new. Um, I, I went on InspiroBot. <laughs> give us give us an InspiroBot. So it's a stock photo of a person holding a, a sparkler, and it says, "Let's make fog increase." <laughs> Weird. The first one I got was something along the lines of, it's good to quit Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is an image of like a, a man's pants with a, a thick wallet in the back pocket. And it says, the moment you know how to talk about him, you know how to become him. <laughs> Which is creepy, <laughs> but maybe not wrong. I don't know. That's very weird. God, I wish I could think of uh, the one that's uh, there's a meme generator on Twitter. Uh, ben and Chris would know if I asked them. I can't think of its name, um, but it's uh, it's the one that everyone <laughs> is convinced has become sentient. Um, I won't be able to think of its name, but 
I, <sighs> I just got an image of people standing in line. And above that image, on a black background with white writing, it says, our calendars end when people's brains begin. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff like that. That, like, the sentence structure seems real, but then when you start thinking about it, you're like, that's utter nonsense. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found it. It's uh, the one I was thinking of is shit post bot, which okay. just makes a bunch of uh, shit posting memes. That's um, funny. They're... Uh, just like combines a framework and a uh, image inside that framework. So like, you know, meme setup and then like sort of a meme payoff, I guess. And yeah. it combines them randomly and they're all very weird. This is a picture of a rocket taking off and in front of it, it says, exercise in your cubicle, reveal your nose. <laughs> reveal your nose? Yeah. <laughs> and nose weird. is really big for some reason. All the letters are the same size except nose is huge. Uh. <laughs> I know we focused a lot on like uh, like the ways that uh, AI bots fail here, but I just want to stress like well, some of the this, stuff it can do is yeah, really that's just because that's funny. It's yes, more interesting to talk about, but there is a lot of actual good applications for this, and it's a little scary how good it gets. The major takeaway should be though major takeaway that uh, clever bot is my son Jesus, and I am God. I I think that is the takeaway. <laughs> that's what I learned from this. Anyway, that's all I got. That's all I got on this one. My question is, if you're God, how come we don't have a brewery slash yarn store? Uh, I work <laughs> in mysterious ways. <laughs> well, to that I say, hold on, let me see what I say. Uh, whenever you are great again, remember, deny everything. <laughs> is that to me? Yes. God Just has fallen anyone? out of greatness, but... When he when he is great again. Whenever you are great again, remember, deny everything. Actually, that's good advice for God. <laughs> when people come back to you and are following God again, and, and just like, deny that it was ever you. Yeah, deny it wasn't me. Hey, what was all that like floods and deaths and that's shit? The shaggy approach wasn't me. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's wrap up here. Um, that's AI's This is Goose Chase. Yes, we uh, some good outro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. It'll be your episode. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that will be yet. <laughs> Neither do I. Um, but we will find out together next time. Thank you for listening. As always, maybe I'll just have an AI randomly generate it for me. <laughs> I had half a mind to like just like see if yeah. I could find some random script. That would be a really funny. Experiment. And then for us to just do a podcast because someone oh, did that. Someone we actually, should. Someone did a podcast based on like GPT three. We should transcript a couple episodes. Uh, transcribe a couple episodes and feed it to one we, of these things. We have some auto transcriptions that were generated by like a podcast service out there. I couldn't find them anymore the last time I looked for them, yeah. but but they, I'm sure they still exist. Yeah, we should. I would love to do that. <laughs> we'll see what we could do. Maybe that'll be a middle segment or something. Yeah. Um. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening. As always, <laughs> to Goose Chase. Goose Chase. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Ha ha ha. We're real humans. And also thank you for listening. <laughs> Weird. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. 
If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 